Good morning. What do you mean? Do you mean to wish me a good morning? Or do you mean it is a good morning whether I want it or not? And this is Rebels Without a Clue, the pop culture podcast. So this one's a little bit left of field. I know you are all probably wondering why on earth we did an intro like that. Questions to be raised. However, the reason as to why we're doing that is because we're going to address some philosophical questions that I'm going to probably posit to you and want you to answer. And we're going to discuss, we're going to explore and really get into the nitty gritty. I think Gandalf epitomizes exactly that kind of old wisdom in which some of these questions may derive from. Okay. So, hence the reason, the intro, but now. But before you go anywhere else, yeah. can I just quickly say, welcome to the, this week's episode, you guys. 100%. Because uh, Brad just full skipped over Sorry, it, I'm really eager to get into this one. Welcome to the episode. As you know already, I'm Tony. And I'm Brad. So, here we are for another week. For a um, fun week for a bit of, of a- lockdown. Yeah, another another week for fellow Victorians. Um, yeah, we're the only ones in lockdown. The rest of the country is, wow. We're like the basic retarded cousin of Australia at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, the ones that should have been chipped off the mainland instead of Tassie. All right. Well, before we get dug in, if you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Anchor, SoundCloud. Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, iTunes, and whatever other podcast platform you use. You can also follow us on our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. Amazing. You have got that to an art. Yeah, except when I go surround. That or Rebels Without a Clue. I only do that when Adrian's here. I know, I know. He puts me off my game. It's like added pressure for you. It is, especially when that dog's here. But it's fun to watch. Yeah, for you it is. For, well, for me it is, but like I, I feel for want, the listeners who once, can't be I here to see it. Once for you to do it. No, just I can't. Once. I can't. Just once. Oh, once maybe. I'm not going to push the, the agenda. Oh, then. I will. <laughs> okay, I know you probably. Yeah, will. I will. I will. Uh, what, do you want to give us the lowdown on what we're actually drinking tonight, though? Okay, so tonight we were lucky enough to have a uh, last-minute pre-lockdown acquisition. Uh, from our good friends down at the Three Crowns Hotel in West Melbourne. Um, they got us some of their Three, Three Crowns Pale Ale. Which Fresh I, off the tap. I, which it is, is um, super nice. It's going down really well mm. right now. Um, it's like water Having tap beer right here in our, well, finger air quotes studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, well, it is a makeshift studio when you think about it. It is. We do everything. It's like the hub. It is. It, has, it is our creative Space. Hub. Yeah. We're out. Creative energies and juices flow. Good lord! And the same with uh, car fumes and oil, which is a nice combination. There you go for uh, a potential death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not as like long we as both it- don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! So this week, how how were you feeling coming into this week, not knowing the premise of what we're well, talking about? Look, I'll give about. a little ba- little bit of background for the listeners at the moment. So, Brad's <laughs> decided to take the topic. Of this episode all upon himself. So he's told me nothing of what he's going to be bringing up as to what we're going to discuss. So honestly, I have all, every expectation, but yet no expectations at the same time. Slight because I don't know what you're going to ask me. Yep. I know it's going to make me think, Yep. but that's as far as I'm going. And look, some of these questions are going to have very short, concise answers. Some of them are going to lead us down a very deep, dark hole. Oh, and really? I don't know if you're prepared for that, because I know there's some of them there. Uh, any, can I just raise a question? Yep. Are any of these questions influenced by perhaps by a certain documentary you watched earlier in the week? Surprisingly not. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll for, have to bring that up in another time. We will. We another will. Time. Yes. Uh, it's kind of important that I think we address that documentary. I think we should. I think we should just give our listeners a heads up, because yeah. we will do an episode on this particular documentary. It is called Out of Shadows. We won't go into detail now of what it's about, but we strongly recommend if you can find it on the net because it's been taken down multiple times, yeah. get your hands on it, 
Type in Out of Shadows official documentary 2020. It just saves you a lot of time and hassle, like, venturing through a lot of Correct. the other rubbish. Yeah. It, look, we were able to find it on YouTube, but we don't know if at this point when you're listening to it, if it'll still be available. So, yes. if you can find it, go ahead and watch it because if you watch it before we are not doing an episode on it, at least you'll know what we're talking about and can bring up some pretty cool discussions. And let us know whether anything that's said in it actually resonates with you because me and Tony sat here in the studio talking about it, discussing the magnitude of some of the comments and accusations made within that documentary. Yeah. And we were absolutely flabbergasted. Yeah. Uh, Sitting there afterwards, we, not knowing what yeah, to say. Yeah, once we finished it, we didn't know what to say. It was pretty- um, Mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. But, so, what now, Brad, what do you have in store for us tonight? Okay, so, kind of giving it a brief rundown. I wanted to come up with basic philosophical questions that, to a degree, are kind of, I suppose, in essence, unanswerable. Okay. Some of them, like I said, I've thrown in a fluff one that's a little bit funny. Okay, good. But- Got to break, got to break up a bit of the- um, True, The true, doom and gloom. True. Look, there's no doubt that through this, we're going to find elements of humor within some of these questions. Okay, good. As to how we are about the funnies. Yes, yes. Let's never forget that we all we are about the funnies. I think we're just generally funny people, so that kind of adds to the that flavor. That helps. It does. That it helps. Does. It's a mixture of us having a good sense of humor and our self-loathing. The self-loathing carries us a long way well, in this yeah. podcast. Yeah, it does. Speak for yourself when yeah. it comes to... Oh, I do. I clearly give, do. Give me the life motto. I am failure. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, I want to get into it now. Please And I'm do. going to pose the first question. Okay. Okay. This one's pretty wide arching. Like, there's so many different ways to answer this. Right. If aliens attack, what will we do? As a human species, as individuals, what is the next step? So, if they attack. If they attack. So, not just making contact, not they attack. Not contact, they attack. Well, I think that's pretty simple from just human nature in general. Or even down to a primitive instinct. Okay, but can I draw you back? On the precipice of before we've made contact, we're aware that it's an imminent attack. In the days and weeks leading up to it, yep. what's the process of thinking? What's the general morale of people? How are they feeling? What, what you personally, on an anecdotal level, what are you thinking? What, what are your steps? Like, what are you going to do? Well, I... Okay, so my answer... Well, I guess part of my answer to your question. Yeah. I think the human race would just go straight into retaliation mode. Okay. Basically, in prepare and defense. Yeah. Okay? Because I think as a human race and as just as a species in general, if we're threatened, obviously... It's the natural reaction. It's fight or flight. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, you're basically... You're preparing... To defend your planet. Yeah. Right? I think that would be the general consensus of the of the globe. Do you think okay. the, the reaction of or retaliation is as a result of the fear? But it would be a mix. Okay. So it would be a mix of retaliation, obviously, for because that's what we do. Yep. Right? But I think it would also be mixed in with a lot of fear, which would cause people to, uh, to basically panic. And we know what panic does on even a slighter scale. Yeah. So, leading into that train of thought, there would be people pure that wouldn't be able anarchy. To, so there would be people that wouldn't be able to process that kind of threat, and those would be the ones that would be like your your riders, your looters, your just causing chaos. But then there would be your people, for example, like you think of like the just that hypothetical scenario of a zombie apocalypse yep. where you have those people that are just strictly dedicated to preparation yep. and ready for the fight. Doomsday preppers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be a mix. I think in general, it would be a mix of the two. Okay. So basing it off what you're saying there, do you think as a collective consciousness across the world, do people unite or is that where a situation then forms where it's fend for yourself? Now that honestly, I can't answer. Okay. I don't think I could give you a feasible answer to that question because it's one of those things you wouldn't be able to answer until a situation like that was to arise. Yeah. Because you don't know how people would react to a 
global threat like that. Yeah, because we can see in terms of different countries and how they react to war, it's always a matter of taking sides. Yes. There are people in positions of power that kind of create that atmosphere of you're either with us or you're against us. Correct. China, America, Russia, America. (laughs) Oh, what's the common denominator in that? (laughs) Yeah. So looking at that, it's kind of interesting to pose that question because we think about it and it's like we've never ever had to contemplate nor explore the idea of a potential global threat. And we've never had to question or even even consider the threat to our existence. Yeah. Like when, when we're talking on, like let's say, an alien invasion where it's basically on the grand scale of us being basically wiped from existence. Yeah. We've never had that situation before. No. So, again, that's where I give you the answer of I can't give you an answer because we've never had that kind of threat before and I'm not sure how we as a species would react. Okay, so we can't determine, obviously, from what you're saying, what the global collective consciousness would decide to do or how they would react. Oh, look, I think they would decide to still fight back regardless. Yes. But what the everyday person would do is unknown. So, in terms of- That's the unknown You being an individual in that predicament, Uh what's then your first port of call? What do you do? What are the decisions you make? What do you prepare for? If that's an even answerable question. I guess- Somewhat similar to, I guess, the discussion we had in, and I remember it, episode 10. Holy fuck. zombie apocalypse episode, the Halloween one. I would probably prepare as much as I possibly could for basically to defend not only myself, but the people I care about. Yeah. And I suppose the hard part then to weigh up is what degree of alien technology are we going up against? Is it kind of- Exactly. If it's kind of evaporative technology, like you're zapped and you're done. You're screwed. Yeah. So, they're all variables that obviously need to be weighed up. But again, like I think it feeds back into what you were saying. It's unanswerable stuff. Correct. So, it's interesting. Because we don't know whether it's kind of like a whole thing of like aliens invading on on the ground with troops. And you're fighting basically this unending horde of an alien species. Correct. Or if it's basically like a fleet of aliens orbiting above Earth and one of their ships, like let's say it's like the Death Independence Star. Independence Day even. Or like it's the Death Star yeah. where it's got this giant fuck off weapon of mass destruction that laser can the beam. Yeah. A fucking laser beam. Um, That's where we need sharks with laser beams attached to their heads. Oh, mate. Start getting the contraptions to produce tornadoes so we can throw sharks into the tornadoes. Are you saying we should make sharknadoes? 100%. Oh. <laughs> While we're at it, we might as well teach the sharks how to drive tanks whilst in the tornado. Can you imagine what an army? That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's absolutely What, what kind of tank show. are you going to give the Megalodon? The Megalodon would have like a fucking B-52 bomber <laughs> and just drop himself out of it. But then we'd want, Wait, to, stuff, you know we'd want to stuff him with- with Keep basically, no, we want to stuff the actual body with C4, of, n- with C4 or just with pure TNT. Yeah, yeah. Make, oh, make, make, make the Megalodon an atomic bomb. What a ridiculous thought. <laughs> Genuinely ridiculous. That's just right where now. it went stupid. 100%. I told you, there was, there's going to be elements of great truthful debate here, but then there's elements of, holy shit, this just turned into absolute toilet humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, when's it toilet humor? Well, it's garbage. We're not we're not attacking them with farts. Yeah, but it's shit. This is what I'm saying. That line of thought that we were just discussing yeah. was pure shit. All right, well, what's your take on that? So, I suppose what's interesting for me is the fact that we've never had a global threat kind of makes me feel, and this is just my unadulterated hope in the humanity that we'd somehow band together and for once do something as a collective unit. Yeah. It's, it's borders hope. and countries and races and creeds go out the fucking window and we go, holy shit, we're all humans. We need to fend for ourselves or we're going to die. Yeah. At, yeah. Like, my I would theory- like, I would like to think that that's what would happen. Of course. I, I, I guess I still hold on to that shred of hope yeah. that that's what would happen. But just seeing how we react to I things know. in general, I it's know. hard to envision that. It is. It is. But- Think about it. Imagine the amount of people that would just go out and panic by toilet paper again. I know, but the the, the thing is, in that sense, we're talking about, you know, pandemics, 
epidemics, everything that's kind of affecting people where, one, we don't see a virus. Yeah. What we can only really hold on to is the fact that we can control our own actions. It's yeah. literally called our locus of control. Mm. Anything past that, we have no bearing over. But it's when people take control of themselves and are able to manage their own actions that it then becomes a collective effort to go, well, I'm not just fending for myself here. Mm. This is an altruistic kind of push to make sure we're all united and we're doing this together. So in the case of a global threat, I'd hope where, example, aliens, aliens are tangible things. Like you can see it. Yeah. So- we kind of have... And it does, I guess, put it down to that whole thing that seeing is believing. Exactly. So it kind of gives us a foundation to work from to go, hey, we're fucked if we do don't unite. Yeah. And that is a problem in itself. So I think just pushing towards an understanding of the human mind, yes, there is that fight or flight concept, yep. but we've never been put into a position to weigh up and understand what a potential global threat could do to how we think about things. Like I think about the movie Armageddon and where it's like, you know, there's a meteor that's imminent and you watch what people do and everyone is kind of huddled around the TVs regardless of race, creed, religion, watching the TV of going, fuck, the world is ending. Yeah. And it's just so powerful to see humanity band together as opposed to seeing countries fighting each other of, well, who's going to win this arms race to defend them? Like, yeah. that's what yeah. just baffles me. Like, And I guess it's also that race of who's going to be the heroes of this story. Exactly. And it's a power struggle. Again, it always yeah. feeds back into that. Yeah. But it's like- But you'd like to think that with something on that mass scale that that sort of con- concept would just be thrown out the window. You'd think so. Hope. You'd, you'd, you'd hope. hope. But yeah. it, it's like, it's a weird kind of- a democracy of power yeah. where it's distributed across the board and gone, well, you know what? Fuck Russia, yes. China, yes. America, yes. They're all great superpowers. Yeah. How about you use your fucking minds together mm. and figure out what we need to do? Yeah. Everyone else can be encompassed in that group effort. Yeah. But until we understand that there's no one better person than the other, yeah. we ain't doing shit. But to a degree, you also need, like for example, those countries you mentioned, the superpowers. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if you need the superpowers to start that thought of thinking yes. and those actions to basically be the example for everybody else. Exactly. And they need to be the role model because essentially they've focused so much of their country's efforts on building a defense force, you know, um, research and kind of figuring out how do we better this world, how do we better ourselves, utilizing that technology to kind of set us up for what we can potentially do as a collective unit. You know what I just thought of just then? I could just imagine if Trump was still in power at that point. Oh, my God. See, I told you guys, we needed a space force. (laughs) I knew something was coming, you know. And he'd class them as terrorists. And he'd, he'd, yeah, he'd class them as terrorists and he'd, and he'd be that person to just be like, I told you so. I knew I was right. And just like, but do you know what? He'd up. be the fuckhead that would launch a nuke going to aim for the alien's spacecraft and it would end up out of power and falling back down to Earth and then taking out another country. He's that sort. That's what I'd expect from him. That's it. Look, I would expect that if he designed and created that nuclear weapon. I'd put him in the nuke and launch it. <laughs> <laughs> Call it the Trump stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> no, 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 no. What you'd do, you'd call that your Trump card. Hey, ah! Utilize that for the last one that you launch. Eh, I like eh, it. Eh, eh. Okay, so moving on. That, right. that was good. What else have you got? <clears throat> okay, this is interesting. Okay. Can we understand good without evil? I don't think you can. Okay, because so explain. Because the way I see it is I think you need to have- some sort of juxtaposition to define what good is. Because if you have nothing to basically explain what good is and what isn't good, then what's good? Do you think good lies on a continuum? Levels of different goodness? I'd say so. Because is there like an ultimate good and there's like an okay good? Yeah, Yeah. I'd say so. Okay, so basing it off that, that there's a continuum of good, there's obviously a continuum of evil as well. Right. It's like that whole thing of like, um, uh, what was it? I think it's like chaotic good, neutral good, and 
think there's like I'm, I'm going to call it super good. Yeah. Right. And then you got basically chaotic neutral, neutral, neutral. Yeah. And let's say super neutral. Yeah. And then you got chaotic evil, neutral evil, and super evil. It's interesting right? that it's you those say different that. Different sort of levels and subcategories within those different types of, yeah. I guess, morality. Okay. Because I don't know, you don't probably don't know too much about Frederick Nietzsche. So he <laughs> came up with an idea called the Ubermensch. Which is figur- that sounds familiar. Figuratively, it's Superman, right? It was kind of the essence of the most altruistic and kind of selfless human being that you could ever potentially be. And, right. and and what it fed into in terms of the ideas of morality was that we all strive to reach an essence of that kind of person. That yeah. is like the ultimate goal in yeah. goodness. Yep. As to whether we get there, he didn't ha- exactly have the greatest view of hu- humans uh, in the sense that we kind of, yes, we do a lot for ourselves, but we didn't, we haven't reached that stage of evolution yet where, like, it's weird because I'm going to bring it back. Aboriginal people. Yeah. They operate within a collective domain. Like, right. everything's for the community. Right. It's a very selfless culture. Correct. Western capitalist society is fucking not. It's for yourself. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Like you want something, you work for it and you earn it. Correct. Not you want something, then everyone else can help you get there and vice versa. Yeah. But what there was like a really cool idea in terms of what he said about having a balance of being collective minded and individual minded. Yeah. Obviously, as a person yourself, you can't operate without thinking about the necessary things to keep you safe, you know, have shelter, all the basic necessities, Maslow's hierarchy of needs for those who understand psychology, <laughs> which the highest level of Maslow's theory is the self-esteem level where you are an altruistic person. You're, there's the idea of benevolence and being able to do good for the benefit of others. Right. So it then filters into this idea and this is a universal concept that's talked about a lot, yeah. which is called dualism. Uh-huh. And what it is, one cannot exist without another. Right. And they say that that throughout life is a prime kind of conception of how everything is understood. Light and dark, mm. uh, sun and moon. Everything yeah. has its counter opposite. Yeah. So I suppose filtering back into the, what we're talking about now, good and evil. So- in order to deem what a good act is, you it need needs to know what the opposite exactly is. Exactly right. Of course you do. So that's where- because then if you don't have the opposite action, then it's not good. It's normal. It's what you do. It's the neutral. Yeah. So good, neutral, evil. Mm. What does oh this is interesting? What does neutral look like? What is neutral? <sighs> How do I explain it? Um, neutral is an objective and. Highly, highly impartial action. Yeah. With But the thing is, a person can never truly be objective when you think about it. Yeah. Like, even if you're doing research on something, yeah. your motivations and personal motivations for what you're trying to research comes out in what you're actually researching. Yeah. So, when you come up with a hypothesis of something that, hey, I want to test for this, how do we deem that your subjective feelings towards creating the research is a good intention yeah so impartiality and objectivity really is there such a thing yeah i don't know because what one person's definition of let's say something good is compared to someone else's could be completely different exactly and it's all a subjective interpretation Correct. so if i asked you what is your definition of good what represents good does it feed back into a morality concept or does it feed back into actions? I think it's a mixture of the two. Yes, good answer. It's, it's actions, I guess, guided by morality. Actions guide- oh, fucking good answer. Good answer. I, I do those every now and then. <laughs> every now and then. You do. You, uh, sometimes- I have those little glimmers of, to- of moments where I'm not failure. At, so- which is the rare occasion. I know, I know. But that was very concise- and I think that it works very clearly in terms of what we're trying to convey in the question being asked. Cheers, God. That's good. That's good. Okay, that's a great answer. What to else that. have you got? Okay. <clears throat> Moving on. Okay. How do you know 
what is real? Oh, not this one. <laughs> okay. This is going to go down a... This, like, this, this is going to go existential and you know it. Well, if we go down that path, I, I'm in the mindset now where I can. One I'm of awake. us is going to be able to pull us out of it, though, because we can spend the rest of the episode going But we'll try not to. I'll, I'll limit us to a time if we're still going around that time. So what is real? Yep. <laughs> what are we? <laughs> no, oh, that's no. the question you never follow it up with because that's just going to end up... Because that's part of it, though. Okay, but I want what you to you, try and like, keep it. Trying to ask like what is real is like trying to ask what is the meaning of life. I could have. I could. I was going to put that question down, Please but then don't. I realized that Please there's don't. just no answers to there that. There is no answer to it. Is, is real it- tangible, or is real a conception made of the mind? Um. Well, to me, yep. Real is something tangible. Okay. Right. Because my definition of real is, let's say, this glass of beer right here. Because you can touch it. Correct. But and it engages all five senses. Okay. Pause. Pause. What are senses? Well, you got your five senses. Yeah, I know, I know. I know what the five senses are. But does that mean... How about instead of me trying to answer, you just tell me the answer you want me to give you. No, I, I don't want you to give me a fucking answer. What I, I want to push at here is you're talking about tangible touch, right? Yeah. You've touched the glass. Yeah. Well, I know... Well, look, to me, <laughs> when I touch the glass, I know it's not a bit of a code made by the Matrix. Okay. How okay? do you know that? Because the Matrix is fiction. Okay. Look, you can go into the whole <laughs> rabbit hole of thinking that, yeah, the Matrix is real. We're all operated by machines. And if we're not um, outside of the Matrix, we're just ba- we're basically batteries for the machines. Okay. Okay. You can go down that rabbit hole if you want to. Okay. But to me, I see that as a work of fiction. Okay. So let and me- And there's no real way to prove otherwise. Okay. That's fine. You've touched the glass. It's tangible. You've made the connection between what you re- like think is real and what is real. But do you think the synapses firing from your fingertips, from touching the glass, heading back to your brain to you for you to interpret that as senses where you've touched it, mm-hmm. create a visual field of understanding, an idea of what a glass is? No. Explain. Well, you think about it. Let's say if I had no sight. Yep. If I touch this still, this is still a glass of beer. But it's a glass. Don't know what's in it, but it's a glass nonetheless. It's a glass because it's been prescribed that definition by someone who said that's what it is. Well, look, if you gave, if you just put this in front of, of let's say, a blind person. Yep. You got their hand, put it on there. They felt they're it. They're going to identify. They're going to identify that as a glass. Of course, I'm not, I, and that's definitely not what I'm disputing here. What I'm disputing is the idea is the concept of. Do you remember perception is reality? Yeah. So what you're perceiving is a glass. Yeah. But in terms of the defining features of a glass, what are they? What are you talking? What? <sighs> I, uh, okay, oh, I'm no. really trying to articulate my oh, thoughts here. No. Perception is reality, right? God. We're down that path now. And All right, Wachowski. Who? Wachowski. You're one of the Wachowski brothers here. Isn't it Wachowski? Wachowski, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Regardless. Anyways, I'm moving on from that. But ultimately, you've touched it. It's tangible. But it comes back to the idea where language has produced an understanding of ideas. Language gives meaning Two objects. Well, it's better than going, this is... Oh. Who told you it was a glass? Who was the first guy We've gone said, into this before that language is a man-made construct. It is. Okay, and it's developed by us so that we can understand what we don't know. You know I'm just pushing your button. I know you are! <laughs> you can tell you are! <laughs> and again, it, look, the answer that you're wanting to hear, I'm not going to be able to give you. No, but I'm not looking for an answer, but I'm just trying to... Then what are you looking for? I'm going deeper. I want to debunk oh, and kind of get... Deep into- in your own asshole. Yeah, yucky. Yucky poos. <laughs> just... Oh, God. Okay. What do you want from me? This one's interesting. Oh, God. Are religion and science compatible? Why or why not? Can they work together in the same space? All right. I'm going to go... With, this is my opinion here. Okay, so before we go on, yeah, can you please give the listeners an understanding of your scientific background and your religious background? 
So, no, in terms of, are you religious? To a degree. Do you believe in God? No. Do you believe in a higher power? Some sort of higher power. Conceptually like the universe? Yeah. Okay. Scientifically, do you think scientific laws govern the world? In the sense of, oh, God, this is hard to explain. Giving meaning to what we see, what... um, well, oh God! Well, yes. Okay, good. Yes, like, I'm, it I'm does. Just leaving down the path but of at gravity. At the same for time, like we've said before, to me, science is basically a means to understand what we don't know. Okay, good. Okay, it yep. gives definition to things that we wouldn't be able to explain. So, and what does religion do? Oh no! <laughs> this is awesome. Look, religion can be looked at at a few different ways. Mm-hmm. In one way, <laughs> it, it's looked at as basically a story told thousands of thousands of year, years ago that's gone through so many Chinese whispers, God knows what actually it what it was meant to be in the first place. Yep. Okay? So, the so way you're saying the, the Bible I, is Chinese whispers? To a, de- to a degree, Good. yes. Good. Now, the way that it can be looked... Well, the way I think as of religion as is I think it's more so just as a somewhat moral guide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's Principles not, to live by. Exactly. It's not... I don't... To me, I don't see it being a way that you're supposed to be taking everything that is in religion literally. It's just a guide there and you interpret it the way that makes sense to you. Okay. So, sub-question to this. Are people built with morals? Like, you're talking about, you know, principles to God be guided by in the sense of what religion does and what religion provides. Yeah. Are people built with an innate morality and understanding of life and what is good and what is bad? I think to a degree, yes. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I use the example of, let's say, a wild animal. Yeah. Okay. A wild animal on its own, its moral sort of compass is virtually all about self-preservation. Yeah. Okay. But, and survival. Yes. Yeah. But you look at, let's say, an animal in a comp- like in a community, right? So let's say, I don't know, let's say a pack of lions. Yeah. Okay. Now, in a pack of lions, obviously, you have one sect that go out and provide for the community. Okay. So they make sure that they're catered they for, basically catered for, yeah, right? Yeah. You've got the the male of the pride who's there as basically the protection, who protects the pride. Yeah. Right? And all of them work together to protect the young. Okay. Now, I think in that sort of structure, that is a sense of morality mm-hmm. because even though they're not taught anything, but they live they by still, moral principles. They live by moral principles of, you know, for example, looking after little, like young, youngins. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's, that's not taught to wild animals, but they do it. So it, does it feed into the idea that it's built into the DNA of primal instinct? In a way, and it's all, and, it's built into that, again, that whole thing of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about preservation of self. It's pre- it's built into preservation of self as a species. Is that a genetic component or is that learned behavior? I think that's a genetic component. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's the line of thought. Because how do you because well. how do you teach that? Especially, it's, again, the whole wild animal thing. How, do you, how does a wild animal learn that? Mm. And I suppose... It's, it's, they, well, they see it happen. And it and they copy, yeah, right. But how did that begin in the first place? And it comes back to the idea, especially within like a human context. I think about it. So when there is a fight or flight response, why do some people like, let's say, a guns being held to their children? Yeah. Then you've got a father standing or a mother, whatever you want to classify, <coughs> standing in front of this person with a gun to their child's head. Some people are going to freeze up and yep. not know what to do. Yep. But there could potentially be a protective instinct in others that is a lot stronger than the fear. Than the fear that yep. is going to kick in. So it makes sense that in that regard of mm. how I understand that the kind of I suppose Darwinism aspect of self-preservation, and you know, I think that potentially could go without whether you prescribe it an animal or a human, yeah. I don't think it matters either way because there is that innate tendency built in through a genetic capacity to do the right thing and fend for the young, potentially, like you were saying. Yeah. So, And that's, that's just that's an example. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. 
So back to religion and science. Can they operate in the same sphere? Um, like the separation of church and state. I think I think it can, but it depends on how. Yeah. Because I think science sometimes can go in a way that's not morally correct. Okay? Like, let's say, for example, just, I don't know, spitball on here, the development of, of biological weapons. Yeah. Okay? Not needed. Doesn't need to exist. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. Because science. Okay. Right? Yeah. But this is where if religion is put in the correct context and used correctly. Yeah. Again, that moral guide guiding how, well, basically how science is used in a sense. Yeah. Do you get me? Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Right. So it's basically just sort of guiding, going back to that answer of good and evil. What is good and what is evil? Which filters back again then back into the subjective interpretation of and the motives for why someone's doing something. Yeah. That's really interesting, that. Because, like, it's interesting. A lot of the articles that I've read talk about church and state and the separation or whether they can exist in kind of a harmony. Yeah. A lot of people say, I, I, I can't, like, I'm not going to exactly quote them, but in the sense where science fills in the foundations for scientific law. Yeah. Like the basics of, you know, gravity and um, inertia, momentum, all, all those kinds of concepts. Yeah. Religion fills in the gaps. That's what it's essentially there to do. In, yeah. Like, and to kind of provide an understanding and a frame of reference for people who have science explain things up to a certain point. Yeah. And then religion tries to fill in those gaps until science finds the answers. Okay. In terms of a, I suppose, spiritual context and ghosts and all that kind of stuff and other world, like not in the sense parallel universes, but like the dead world over our world. The paranormal. Correct. Religion has potentially in my, this is just my perspective. Yeah. Has more grounding to kind of help explain and give people a sense of safety and security and understanding and understanding correct yeah Yeah. but when it comes to and and i think you're right in that sense of what you mentioned before they have that until science can explain it exactly and then you look at when it comes to paranormal investigation Mm -hmm. they try to employ a scientific method in order to understand those things yeah so but what confuses me i suppose is when they do paranormal investigations and then, you know, they're picking up, you know, light-emitting frequencies and kind of uh, white matter and all, like, orbs and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And then these answers coming from, let's say, the spiritual entities. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, you know, I don't know, some fucking bullshit about how they died. Yeah. Right? But then looking back over the history books and they found out that that is exactly how that person's died. Yeah. How do you, you can't explain that in a scientific way. You can't. They not are unanswerable. Yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. But this is what I'm saying. This is where religion kind of gives that necessary grounding and, you know, capacity for people to interpret that data mm. without having some kind of scientific method to it. Yeah. When the science catches up with the idea of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. I think oh, this, this this is a little bit controversial in saying that, but once science moves ahead and matches it with the times that we're in yep. and is able to provide answers like that, yep. religion not necessarily is going to cease to exist. No, no, no. Yeah, let me, let me differentiate. Religion as an organization, the church, yeah. will cease to exist because there's no need for it. Yeah. People will understand and appreciate spirituality and you can have a relationship with God. That's fine, but you don't need a church to define that. Yeah. People do like places of worship. Again, I'm not, you know, throwing smoke yeah. out at people yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, there is kind of an understanding that yes, religion gives faith and hope and allows people and like you think about it, um, I couldn't have survived without God. Like someone stuck out in a desert for so long. Scientifically, your body should have ceased. Correct. But what is it that kept carrying you further? That's right. So how how do you explain that, I don't know, energy, that aura of the human psyche yeah. 
to push further. And what is that? A majority of the time, the answer that you're given is either it was some sort of divine intervention or it was the human spirit. Exactly. And then Which back, that's what is not- the fucking spirit? Exactly. Explain the spirit. You exactly. can't. You can't. That's, that was good. That was good. That was a really good line of thought. Okay. Line of thought. Next one. Do parallel universes exist? This you can only speculate. Of course. But I want to kind of unravel this a little bit, unpack it. Well, again, it's that whole thing of trying to find what's real. There's no tangible way or scientific way to prove that there is parallel universes. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. think yeah. You can think that there is, yeah. but there's no way to prove it. Yeah. Do you think that black holes and all that kind of concept could potentially reveal answers to this? Maybe. It's an interesting thought. Maybe, but I, we don't know. I don't know, and we as a species don't know. Do you think people would be scared or welcoming of such kind of information coming out? A mixture of two. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. be a mixture of two. I agree. I think it'd be initial stages of fear of the un- again. It comes back into the idea the how fear of the unknown exactly, and people are petrified of it. Hundred percent. When you don't have potential outcomes that are foreseeable, yep, or any sort of control, exactly. So when you remove control and the potential for an outcome out of an equation. Yeah. People are left with kind of their own self. Yeah. And what happens when people are stuck in their own heads? <laughs> they go loopy and then buy excess toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> or as I experienced tonight, buy all the bread. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, it's stupid. But it's just crazy to think at the different layers. Like we see humanity. We see the world. We see the universes. We see galaxies. We see all these kind of concepts. Mm-hmm. When we talk about parallel universes, it is only something the you know most gifted scientific minds could ever potentially try to comprehend. Like you think, look at string theory and rubber band theory and all this kind of stuff, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, you've got to actively want to know and understand it and kind of comprehend the the numbers behind it. Yeah, because not the layman can't. It's impossible. But then again, all those. Days, all those theories are literally just another way. Furies. No, they're all just theories. They're theories, and it's a way of us trying to understand the unknown. Correct. Which understand that's the best possible way that we can go about it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think there's anything else we could potentially do. No, we can sit and talk about it till the cows come home. Or yep. the sharks come back from being in the from B- being in the tank bomber. Yeah, <laughs> Mego's back in the water. Mego, Mego, you like your best mates already. <laughs> yeah. You and Mego going to fucking the pubs after they all go out of lockdown. Yeah, we're going for a bite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Well, if you're still in the B fifty two bomber, you know you're going to have a blast. Oh uh. God, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Okay, moving on. Are we? And this kind of goes back into our first question. Oh, no. Are we a minuscule part of intelligent life in the universe? Oh, 100%. I refuse to believe that we are the only intelligent slash sentient life in this whole universe. I think that would be... I, I think it's a very ignorant way to think. Oh, definitely. To think that we're at the center of everything, I, I can't believe that. That's embarrassing. I, just, I can't. It is absolutely it's, embarrassing. It, especially knowing as much as we know now of how vast universe is, I find it very, very, very hard to believe that we are the only sentient and intelligent life in the universe. Correct. And someone put it really interestingly. They said we are nothing but like a grain of sand Yeah. in the context of how small that is to the world, yeah. that the world is to the universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best example, but it's an example I can think of. Is For it example- Sharknado related? No, oh, damn. no. At the end of Men in Black. Oh, God. Okay. When... It kind of zooms out of the world, zooms out and of the universe. Becoming marbles. It becomes marbles in a like basic in some giant, like universally sized alien. Yeah. And we're just such a small, tiny little atom, a part of a bigger picture. Yeah. Right? I think that's honestly that's probably one of the most simplistic and best ways of describing that way of thinking. Yeah. And and especially to come out of a movie like fucking Men in Black. Like, really? Yeah, no, I get you. They did, they, it's they, a good point they of got, reference. They, they did it in a really clever way. It's just interesting to think about when we talk about the enormity of you have planets, 
you have the solar system, you have the universe, you have galaxies. How far does that extend out? That's a scary concept. We don't know. That I don't even think the mind, the human mind, could no. potentially process. No. I don't think we're at that stage of evolution yet mm. where our minds are able to grapple with the idea of how minuscule and minute we actually are. Yeah. It's so fucking crazy. Mm. Okay. Next one. Men in black. <laughs> I'm going to go to my funny one. Oh, okay. When you go to a movie theater <laughs> and the seats have armrests... Which one is yours and which one is your neighbour's? I'm going to go on, I guess... <laughs> I don't even know if this is correct. Go. Please tell me. I'm curious. I, like, for me, usually, the armrest that is mine is the one on the right. Okay? The way- Are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay, so I... But I say that because I don't know if this is correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Usually, let's say, if you go to, like, I don't know, a formal dinner. Yeah. Right? The Let's say the... You know, the fucking the bread dish? Yeah, it's on your right. Yeah. So, you go with the thing on your right as yours. So, that's why, I don't know, that's why I see it as the one that belongs to me. So, you're basing it off social right. cues and social etiquette? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Which, when you go to a cinema, the armchair, like choosing your armchair, that is social etiquette. <laughs> you're in a social setting. When you're in that social setting, do you have a preference as to when you walk in? And you look, what is the first thing that clicks for you of where you want to sit? What do you mean? Like, I know when I walk in, I know I must go three or four uh, rows down yeah. and try and center myself as best as I can. Yeah. I usually I like to go cl- well closer to the back of the cinema, but seating wise, I still want to be relatively central in that row or in that aisle. Yeah. I don't get the fuckwits mm. that walk into a cinema and then sit on the side. Unless you're going for a gobby, you're going central. Yeah. You know, I always thought that the best spot to go, if you're going to be going for a little bit of nookie, would be at the front. Yeah, but then it's too obvious. Whereas the sides, once it darkens up, you put her... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You put her in the last seat. So when she leans over to give you a gobby, you can shield. Ah, clever. Yep. So you make sure that there's no one sitting in the opposite aisle or one in front or one behind. It's all right if it's two or more back because you can do the shield. Yeah. But then people are questioning, this can't come in with two people. Where's the other bitch? Mm. Mm -hmm. And you know, now that you've said that, I'm going to be so much more conscious of that. Pay attention to it, man. I've seen it a few times. (laughs) My mate got done. How's this? He went in with his missus um, and it was school times. So it was like... A two o'clock session. He, he just bounced out of school with her. Uh-huh. They went to the movies. They lied down at the front of the cinema. Oh dear! But naked. Oh, that's just and dumb. fucked on that on that floor. Yeah, they used their clothing as bedding. Oh, still grown. And I was like, oh god, the amount of semen that would be on that floor. Ew. But I was like, Daniel, no, just no. That's fucking gross. Oh, no. And they got busted. They had um. A family walking. Oh. Yeah. And the dad lost it. Oh, good lost God it. in hell. Yep. Yep. That's... So, uh, yeah, not fantastic. No. Okay. No, God, no. Now, oh moving God. on. <laughs> what a dumbass. This one's a good one for us. Um, Will a world without reliance on modern technology make any progress? Yes and no. Okay. I think yes in the sense of moving, I guess, getting rid of technology. And becoming closer as a people mm-hmm. and building more of that community lifestyle yeah. in a face-to-face setting yeah. would be would definitely grow and evolve. Yeah. But I guess as far as us evolving as a race, no. I think in order for us to evolve and become higher in not only our ways of thinking, but in our advancements of what we can accomplish without technology, it's impossible. It, you can't do it. And I, it I just think done. in the respect of maths and science, yeah, computers do computing to calculate stuff that the human mind is not capable of doing. Correct. So, yes, I, I, I'm all for why, the way you've said it because there needs to be a twofold evolutionary development where... One, we as people need to understand and become more of a collective unit. Yeah. But we cannot now moving forward as a species 
function and expect, like there are going to be potential variables such as, let's say global warming. Yep. Right? And it feeds into the idea of what happens if global warming starts rising temperatures and let's say it's fucking 55 degrees here on a regular day. Yep. It's unlivable. Mm. Technology is the only thing that is going to be able to carry us. Yep. To another planet, if need be, for a comment. That, or it's going to be the only way that could save us. Correct. Right? Because you think about, like, all these, like, new technologies that are coming forward, like, let's say, in the field of re- of renewable energy, mm-hmm. for example. You take away technology, what renewable energy are you coming up with? Exactly. There's none. Basically, you're going to revert back to a time before... Um, before technology, let's say, you know, even just something as simple as being able to cook your dinner. Yeah. How are you going to do it? Yeah. Well, yeah you're no, you're going to make fire. How do you make fire? Yeah. You cut, you find wood. And when you run out of the scrub that's on the ground, what do you do? You chop down a tree. Yeah. And then you have basically the population as we are now that all need wood. How many trees are going to get cut down? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. So I think in the state of where we are now and with the population as it is, like you go back to, let's say, medieval times before that, before technology really kicked in as we know it now. Yeah. It was sustainable because you look at the average lifespan of someone living in those times, they were considered an old person if they reached 40. Yeah. Okay. Now going like basically age is 78 for females and 81 for males so we consider if you're in your 80s then you're an old person correct correct right so it was sustainable for that type of living in those conditions right Mm -hmm. but now it's not Mm -hmm. it's just not it's not sustainable no It, it goes hand in hand like i think with the development of a collective consciousness yeah. It is the perfect segue into being ready. I don't know how to explain that more. Uh, being ready in the sense that we need to have the mental capacity and ability to process, understand, give meaning to the knowledge that we learn from technology in order to develop with the way technology as quickly and exponentially it jumps forward. Yeah. Like you think technology is so far advanced compared to where we are as a human race. Yeah. I don't think people are at that stage where we can understand the fundamentals and basics of technology right now. Yeah. There is only a select minority of people that would know and understand the kind of futuristic advancements currently going on. Yeah. As to when that becomes viable to give out to the population... There's no practical applications to that right now. No. But as we evolve, that's naturally going to keep progressing further. I don't think at any point we're ever going to be at the same level of understanding and being able to process the same kind of stuff that technology does. Yep. But I think having technology in the right hands Uh with the people who have the right mindsets is going to put the human race in a much better position. So like going back, think about Greek times when it was... A whole bunch of philosophers and scientists sitting around debating things, kind of going over, well, what's the best avenue for? What do we need to do? How yeah. do we make um, something more viable for the people? Yeah. Rather than a dictatorship, yep. for example, like Trump, <laughs> when he has all the power, yeah. I don't trust him to make executive decisions for the best interests of people. <laughs> but if you have a body of people who are the most brilliant minds in the world within America, let's say, Mm -hmm. because naturally they've got a large portion of them. Yeah. To be able to sit in a room and go, what do we need to do to rectify this disparity between where our people are at and where we need them to get to? Yeah. Do like, I just think, you know, a small step is free education. Right. For them. Because people who potentially have you know, let's say a fucking IQ of 200. Yeah. Maybe super poor and don't have access to education, but they may have ideas in their mind that could contribute to building the most ridiculous technological advancement. But because they don't have access to those opportunities, then we're kind of, well, we missed out, but we will never know. Yeah. So being in a position in which we can kind of give... Not everyone can be Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting. Exactly right. (laughs) But those people who have the capacity to think like that, 
we need to value them more than we do currently. Yeah. They need to have more of a say, scientists, mathematicians, philosophers. And I know philosophers are a dying breed. Like, it's not really a thing now. Not but really. kind of it's people to act as a moral compass. That's what I was actually just going to input there. Who acts as the moral compass? Exactly. In mind. To stop the potential for, uh, there's that saying, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. So, so you got to have the like you got to have the people in there that are kind of I guess basically let's say like your scientists, your mathematicians, yeah, and like your and your engineers and yeah. all those sort of people. Yeah, yeah. Those are, let's say those are the horses that are pulling the carriage, right? Mm-hmm. But then you need the people that are holding the reins, correct? To kind of guide, let it. them run, mm-hmm. but guide them in the right way, and also pull them back when they need to be sort of just like, whoa, 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 hold on, yeah, hold yeah. on, what you're thinking here is not right. That's this is benefiting no one. Exactly, it's benefiting yeah. no one. It's a possibility, and it can be done, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's it. Is that all you got? That's what I've got. That's it. That's perfect. Wow. Okay, I thought you had more. I have, I do have more, but we're kind of right at that time frame now. Oh, uh, we could possibly fit in one more. You want one more? Okay. Why not? All right. So, next question. Last question. Do people really have free will? Is that a thing? We've had this discussion before. Um, I think to a degree, we do have free will. Okay. Yes, a lot of our decisions are guided by, I guess, what's available to us and what we deem as possible. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that we get to choose whether we do whatever we do is some sort of free will. But is choice ever completely your own or is that based off choices and it's actually called a concept of hermeneutics which is essentially all i'm saying is rules of thumb yeah stuff you've employed in the past which are called schemas yeah that have kind of dictated to help guide you in terms of making your decisions you can you really ever make i suppose in essence an original decision can you make or say something that hasn't already been said or done you can make a decision based off your understanding of that current situation. Right. You can make an assumption about what's best for you. But don't you think that those decisions and those assumptions that you've made have come from everything that you've ever learnt, everything that you've ever read, everything that you've ever been taught yep. to dictate what decision you end up making? I don't think it dictates making your decision. It helps guide you make your decision. Because obviously, well, I don't know. I'm going to go off my own train of thought yeah. when it comes yeah, yeah. to, I guess, making a choice. When it, my, I guess, my sort uh-huh. of process when it comes to making a choice, obviously, I weigh up all the different possibilities of deductive how, reasoning. That's yes, exactly right. And then also putting in, into the the choice my own, my, I guess, my own morals uh-huh. of if let's say if I was to do something, if it would be the right thing to do. Your own morals. Okay. Okay. Right. Now, I guess morals are sort of taught to you. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, I think you as a person come to realize what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. And then it's the I think you, I think you have, right you know, oh, I think fuck. you know, I think as a person, you know what's right and wrong in your most own interpretation. People, most people. Like I said, to your own interpretation. Yeah, it's a subjective experience. Again. Exactly right. Yeah. So the fact that you have that whole thought, like chain of proce- thought process. Yeah to me, dictates that you have your... That's your free choice and that's your free will because you're making that decision. Yes, there are a lot of people that will take it by from advice from others and do what they're told, but then you have your... But then you have people that will make up their own decisions and their own thoughts and processes because that's what they believe is what they should do. Yeah. So I think in that sense, it is... There is free will. Okay. You're very much no, you're very much along the same lines of path for me. Like, I suppose how I think of it, free will, like we've said before, is a very subjective experience. Like, I think the fact that you're in a position where you have an essential freedom to make a choice, but I think that's very contextual as well. People in other countries, let's say somewhere like Burma or somewhere in Africa. Yep may not have the luxury to make their own decisions. Correct. 
And then after having lived like that, then being put in a position where they're able to make their own decisions will make their decisions inevitably based on what their understanding of what is right for them. That's right. But what is right for them, but it's being filtered by their past experiences. Yeah. So morally and ethically, you can make a decision based off like what's kind of considered best fit for you, yep. what you think is the right thing to do. Yeah. But then it feeds back into where the concept of morality has come into play. Whose morals and whose ethics have you learned that from? We talked about the genetic component of, uh, you know, even that whole idea of fight or flight. Yeah. But I think genetics have a big say when it comes to even the idea of nature and nurture. Yeah. So the kind of consensus now with that stuff is that it's half-half. Right. It's not one or the other. Yeah. So having kind of something definitive like that where your environment has such an impact on what you decide and how you decide to make that decision. Yeah. But then also the kind of primal instincts that we talk about. Yeah. Pushing that decision in one way or the other. Yeah. So effectively, I think free will is there. Yeah. But I think there's a large component of it being not necessarily predetermined, but having influences in it that may ultimately guide the decision you make. You can make the I can make the choice right now to stop talking. Yeah. But you won't. But I won't. <laughs> because I made an active decision in my head that we're doing a podcast. So the surrounding factors of what we're doing currently permit me to make the decision to I can stop talking, but I don't want to. Because on a deeper level, I'd feel bad. But and that's morality coming into play then because it's like, well, I don't want to hurt another person. Not that I'm gonna fucking hurt you. I'd laugh. <laughs> but it's just like I'm saying there's so many different components that need to be weighed up in such a, you know, large scale question of free will. Like it's huge to think about. Like mm. In terms of providing a context to understand it, it's it's huge. So, yes, we have free will, but yep. I think there are other variables that need to be brought into the equation. Yeah. So, and I guess that does bring up that whole question, and we won't go into it. I'll just quickly mention it. That whole thing of destiny: is there even such a thing as destiny? Or and is if it there is, is it predetermined, or do you make your own destiny? Yeah, oh, I'm not. But gonna, yeah, fuck no. That's that's that's, that's a huge a, that's, question. That's another topic for another time. Yeah. So, okay. how'd you feel about those? That was interesting. Good questions. They, yeah, you made me fucking think, and now my brain hurts. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes I like having those kind of discussions. Sometimes, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, that's a wrap. There we go. We enjoyed that one. That yeah, was a that good was one. that was definitely a different tone, a different tone to our usual type of episode. Very much so. And I like that there were those little <laughs> elements of humor. Hashtag Sharknado. <laughs> Hashtag Megalodon Bomber. <laughs> Hashtag B52 Megalodon Bomber. Hashtag Trump card. <laughs> Hashtag let's go for a bite. Oh, God. Hashtag what a blast. Hashtag all the bread's now gone. <laughs> Hashtag COVID strike. Oh, God. Fucking hell. Instead of counter-strike. Hashtag yeah. COVID strike. Yeah. There but, we go. Yeah, that's it. There we go. So there's a wrap up for another week. Mm-hmm. And, and um, do you want to uh, run through if people haven't already done yeah, so? If you haven't done it, so be sure to go like and subscribe us on Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or whatever other podcast platform you use. You can also follow us on our social medias on Instagram Rebels Without a Clue O three, Twitter Rebels Without a One, and Facebook Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. Brilliant. There we go. That was fun. And what about yourself? Uh, for me, if you want to follow me, uh, you can get on to my Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook, all at the same handle, which is Braddles2505. So that's B-R-A-D-E-L-S-2505. And if you want to do the same with me, you can follow me on Instagram at tboner80figs. That's T-B-O-N-E-R-H-0-F-I-G-S. Or on Snapchat at tboner18. T-B-O-N-E-R-18. Brilliant. There we go. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. So obviously, guys, if you have any thoughts on what we've discussed and you want to sort of take the discussion Put a bit your further, two cents worth in. Yep, definitely uh, hit us up in the comments, um, whether it be through your podcast app or even through our social media pages. Please feel free to do so. 
especially topics like this, it's always fun to discuss. It is. And if there's any questions you'd like to pose for us to actually discuss, please let us know as well. Possibly in another episode where we might sort of revisit this kind of formula again. Yeah, if you've liked it, we can definitely do a part two to this. Yeah, that we'll, po- we'll probably do that at a later date. Yes. I think there's, um, especially now that um, us as Victorians are now under another stage three lockdown, we uh, obviously, we're going to have some more time to, you know, revisit some movies or some yep. TV shows and possibly some games. We'll probably have some more content yes, for definitely. you guys to, to join us with. So, yeah, look out for that stuff coming in the future. And if you are Victorian listening to this. Good luck and Godspeed. That too, but do your part. Put a fucking mask on. Put a mask on. Stay safe. Don't be a dumb cunt. And you know what? Just follow. Just do what needs to be done. And we'll get through this. Just do what you have to do. In reality, it's only six weeks. It's not like we haven't done this before. We've done it once. We'll do it again. Let's just get this over and done with and stop being the laughing stock of Australia. Correct. (laughs) And until next time. Fucking. Bop. Bop.